Hey, everybody. So maybe you haven't got Mastering Adversity yet, my new book. If not, go grab a copy. All the things we talk about in this show, we've condensed down into a book. Let me explain. I've been on this journey for four years with University of Adversity, right? You guys know that. And all the things I've learned through my own personal transformation, but also learning from some amazing experts, from New York Times bestselling authors, pro athletes, celebrities, doctors, scientists, all of it. Not only interviewing them on this show, but also working with them and working with my own coaches and my own development to work through my own stuff, right? And I felt very called to write my book, Mastering Adversity, because I feel like it's a perfect tool and the next step for if you listen to this podcast and you want to dive deeper in not only my own story, but all the stuff that I talk about in real life, you want to have a roadmap to what it means to face adversity and overcome it and to be the, the potential and the warrior on the other side of it. That's what it's about. Go grab a copy. It's really appreciated. And you're really supporting the show when you do. So it's all available. It's available on Barnes and Noble. It's available on Amazon online, of course. Um, I haven't done the audiobook yet. I will do it. But for now, that's what we got. Order that, you guys. And I really, really appreciate it. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. This is your first time tuning in. Welcome, all you regular listeners. Welcome back. Hope you guys are all doing well. We got a great conversation for you today on how to harness imposter syndrome for peak performance and unshakable confidence. On today's show, we have the one and only David Nurse joining us. If you guys don't know about David, he is an MBA life optimization coach. He's a best-selling author and speaker who has worked with some of the top athletes in the world and executives. Today, we'll be discussing how to overcome imposter syndrome, but also how to use it as a tool for peak performance and confidence. David will be sharing his expertise on how to identify the signs of imposter syndrome while it's actually a good thing and how to reframe your mindset to turn it into a force of power. This is a great conversation. So if you're an athlete, executive, coach, just a curious person, you'll get a lot out of this. David's a powerhouse and I really enjoy talking to him. He's also got another book coming out as well and look forward to that. Some of the key points that we'll be covering specifically if you guys want to make sure you listen to is David's story, how he never made it to the NBA, breaking a victim mentality when you face setbacks and how important it is to not be a victim, the key to leveling up, limiting your social media because it can influence you so much in the wrong way, but can also be used as a tool as we all know, and daily practices for high performance. This is jam-packed. Great episode. I really enjoyed it and uh, hope you guys too. If you aren't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do so wherever you listen to the podcasts. I always appreciate it. You guys, if you do get value from this, leave us a review and 
Of course, enjoy the show. David Nurse coming right up. Here we go. David, welcome to the show, brother. So good to have you on finally. Lance, we, this has been a long one in the making, but we made it happen. You're coming all the way from Canada. Are you a, are you a Tim Hortons fan? I got to ask you that. It's all Canadian. I love Tim Hortons. But I'm going to be honest, Tim Hortons. It's so funny, man. It's that coffee. It's got some weird additive in it that it becomes addicting. It's not even good coffee, but it's, it's like a weird, it's something strange, man. Once I have one, I'm like, Oh, I kind of need one. And I'm like, I don't even like this coffee. It's wild. Super like Starbucks, make you a zombie that needs more great marketing. Totally. Yeah. And coffee really makes a difference to the quality and where it's from and, and all of that, like really makes a difference, especially for performance and all that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know what? I love when I read articles that say like four cups of coffee will make you live longer, have better heart health. You'll be smarter. Like, yeah, that's what I'm subscribing to. But then the next day I'll see when like four cups of coffee and you're going to die tomorrow. I'm like, <laughs> and no yeah. one really, who's going to drink it. So good. No. Yeah. No, exactly. It's like one of those things where I feel like you got to try these things out yourself to just see how they work for you, right? It's like diets, nutrition. There's so many different ways to eat and drink things. And I feel like everything affects everybody differently, right? You must notice that as well with athletes and everything. Totally. I mean, that's kind of the name of the game, huh? Figure out what your secret sauce is how you stay in harmony and rhythm and flow it's just kind of a, a continued testing period to figure out what works and then when you figure out what works you're like well, well let me make this work a little bit better let's see what else we can do here fun game of life huh that's right let's let's kind of before just give everybody a little bit of uh insight into a little bit of your backstory before we get into kind of what you do now so you grew up in iowa and you pretty much came from nothing. You ended up, you know, playing professional basketball and then you working with all these high performing basketball players, CEOs and all that. But let's take it back. Walk us through a little bit of your, your journey as young David and walk us through how you sort of even made such an incredible leap into professional sports. Yeah. So young David, just all he wanted to do was play in the NBA. Like old David still wants to play in the NBA, but now I know I can't. So all I did was every waking hour was poured into basketball. I mean, it was on the the driveway in the snow in Iowa shooting hoops. It was watching NBA games. How could I make myself the best player I could be? And and I and it carried on to high school basketball. Now I wasn't really gifted with athleticism, vertical leap of about two inches. Parents probably should have said play tennis or golf, something like that. But I loved it, man, and just poured every waking hour into it. And I grinded my way to play college basketball and still thinking I'm playing in the NBA and I end up in Australia in a second division in Australia and I bounce around to Greece and then I'm in a second division in Spain and I'm still thinking I'm playing in the NBA but it's more like a Will Ferrell semi-pro type of league where they're more concerned about where the party is out after the game than they are the actual basketball itself and I'm doing this two-a-days film study all this and I get cut I literally get cut from this joke of a team. So put yourself in my shoes here. All of your hopes and goals and dreams, everything you've poured into your life is now taken away from you. 
and not just taken away from you, but it's insult to injury, basically, of this was a terrible league I was playing in, and I can't even make this terrible league. So I come home to uh, live with my parents on the recliner chair in Kansas City, where they're living at the time. And my mom's always big on inspirational quotes, and I never liked those. I just thought, whatever, in one ear, out the other ear. But she was doing dishes one day, one afternoon, and I was kicked back in the recliner chair, licking my wounds, feeling bad for myself like I was, being a bum. And she said, David, when one door closes, four open in an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. I'm like, hold up. I thought it was one door, one door. Never heard this four doors, beachfront patio. But what she was saying is essentially everything that I'd poured into my life to think that I was going to play in the NBA for myself was actually to use this to coach others, to show others the stuff that I'd learned, but people that were more God-given ability, seven-foot height and athleticism to be able to pour into them. So it's basically what is called a life pivot. You never lose everything that you've done. You never lose what you've gained, what you've learned. But life is like this long hallway, Lance. It's just walking down this hallway and at each left and right turn, there's another door you can enter. You'll learn a little bit there and then you'll use it for what's to come next. So when people get fired from a job or their dreams are shattered, it ain't over. Figure out the strengths that you can take away from that moment, from what you worked on, from what you gained then to use for something else. That's what I did. That made my decision right then and there. Boom, I'm a coach in the NBA. But I didn't know any coaches in the NBA, nor did I have any NBA connections. So there's a whole nother journey to come, which we can definitely dive into. That is a, it's a crazy road and, and basically just shooting your shot, like not mm. being afraid to take a risk. And what I did was I hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM, hand wrote a letter, every NBA GM just saying, you know what, something I like about their organization and not asking just how can I serve them? I got nothing back for a month and a half. And then I got a phone call from a 310 area code number, that's Los Angeles. It was the GM of the Clippers, Gary Sachs. It was a normal conversation, pretty quick. At the end of it, he was like, if you're ever out in LA, look me up, we'll grab coffee. Basically, good luck with the rest of your life, kid. But I took that as an opportunity because there's mm -hmm. gonna be, and think about this in your own life listening here. There's so many little opportunities that you can write off. You can say, oh, well, that's gonna be too hard. I can't do that. or like I did, took that as an opportunity. He opened the door, one of those four doors. I booked a ticket right after that, spent all my money, stole some of my parents' money to be out there in LA to act like I was doing a basketball camp so I didn't look desperate. We had a great meeting. We hit it off. Every NBA connection stemmed from Gary Sachs right there. Every single mm -hmm. one. The reason I made it into the NBA. Now, I didn't sit around on my hands and just be like, Gary... Connect me with a coach, get me in the NBA. It doesn't work that way. Phone's not going to ring. You got to pick up that phone and make the call. So all I could do when I played basketball was shoot. I was a good shooter, really good three-point shooter. Didn't have the athleticism. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to make myself the best shooting coach. So I custom made these basketballs with this line down the middle so you could see the rotation. Made them from China. Terrible leather over there in China. Don't recommend doing business with them. They sent them to the Oakland Seaport. I hop in my car, drive 29 hours from Kansas City to Oakland, put these balls in my trunk of my car, and I spend the next five years 
driving around the country doing basketball camps for anybody that would take me in, sleeping on friends' couches who didn't even know I was their friend, sleeping in my car in well-lit Walmart parking lots, and just doing basketball camps for everybody. But I loved it. Man, it was a grind, man, but I loved it. The journey of it. And then I wake up five years later, five years later, in Melbourne, Australia, I got an email at Brooklyn Nets shooting coach. And I didn't know anybody from Brooklyn. So I'm like, this has got to be some kind of, you know, spam or something just to get my hopes up. So I clicked the box that was going to delete it, but I was curious. So I opened the email and the next week I'm the shooting coach for the Brooklyn Nets. So that's how it happened. Wow. So much there. How did, how did you, so there's one thing that came up that I, I just, I got to ask you. And I think that most people would probably want to know also, how did you develop that belief in yourself? Like, you know, sports, you know, I was a hockey player, my sports career ended. I went down the shitter for a while and, and all kinds of stuff happened because I didn't know who I was after being an athlete. And it's tough because you, you know, as you know, your identity is you're that person. You're everything you create is that. And then when it doesn't work out, it's like, you know, you, you, a lot of people go through this, you know, destruction phase, almost like a recreation. And what it sounds like is like you were able to, you know, like make that pivot, but there had to be this level of belief in yourself. And I'm always curious as to like, what, what was that? Like, how did you, how, when you were down like that, were you able to believe in yourself enough to even want to write those letters? Like there takes a certain amount of courage and belief to do that. Totally. Great question. So two reasons, one being, you can even look at life uh, from two points of view of, well, why me a victim mentality? Why me? Well, why do I deserve this? And you know, that guy's so great that that's, or you look at it as, as from the lens of why not me? Somebody has to do it. Why not me? Because mm. all these people come from different backgrounds and we don't know their backgrounds. They probably struggled. They had difficulties too. They didn't just, weren't just placed at the top. So you look at it as why me? Victim mentality. And you will never get anywhere. Or you look at it as why not me? And somebody's got to do it. Might as well be me. So that's the mindset that I had. But also the cheat code that I had too, and literally this is the cheat code for life, is that I had Jesus. And I know that my, that my success in this world doesn't mean anything. Like I didn't have to go through all of this stuff on my own and feel like, well, I need to create it all myself. All of this depends on me. And that's freaking stressful if you think that. So when I was 23, when I was in college, I didn't always like it. A friend of mine, on my basketball team, my senior year, when I was about to finish up, he brought me to this thing called Fuel. And it was just this hangout, this get together. And now it wasn't like people will say religion or church, but Jesus came to abolish all that. It was not, it wasn't that. Just, you know, that people were worshiping and singing and there's just a lot of joy in the room. And man, I thought, I was like, these guys are on drugs. Like, what is this rug? So I kept coming back because me, myself, I was someone who was selfish. It was all about me. I didn't have Jesus in my life then. And, and like, it looked like I had it all from the outside. Like I was uh, the best player, college basketball player on campus. So the, you know, a big man on campus type of thing, but inside I was empty. So I kept coming back and coming back. And what I realized is this joy, this ultimate joy is 
the love of Jesus Christ, loving, literally loving me. And I accepted that. And man, it changed everything. If I didn't have that, there is no possible way I could have been going through everything that I did. Going through, doing basketball camps, living in on a couch in Santa Fe, Albuquerque area in New Mexico, doing lessons for a seventh grade girls basketball player who didn't care about basketball. That like crazy stuff. So those are the two main reasons of of why I'm able to take any type of shot. And I don't care. Like, I literally don't care because I know like my, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what anybody listening to this podcast thinks of me. Mm. I hope people like me. I hope people want to go get the books, but that will never fill me. It will never fill me. So generally, anybody listening to this podcast, I don't care what you think about me. I've got God. And I've got my smoking hot wife who loves me. And that's all I need, brother. How important is that though? That that detachment from these things that we value so much that don't really matter. It's such a great point. It's like we put so much value on these things and really for what? You know, it's great to achieve things, but really if you don't have that wholeness in your heart with someone you love or God or spirit, whatever, you know, like everything else is just a matter of trying to fill some void that's never going to be filled. The next thing, the next boat, the next house, the next thing is never going to do that unless you have that wholeness, right? Totally. It's everything, man. Yeah. None of accomplishments or anything will ever fill you. I know billionaires, most successful people, and they're miserable. Mm -hmm. That will never fill you. And, and like all this, like the universe will fill me in nature. No, it won't. There's no substance there. There's, that's just you searching. God mm -hmm. made you. There's an, there is one way and it is very clear and evident and it's, and it's Jesus. And that's, that's the way. Where do you see the people that you work with? Like, you know, the NBA players and CEOs, where do you see the biggest challenge that they face in their mindset? or getting to that next level? Because clearly they've gotten to a level, but then, you know, they're probably stuck somewhere, right? In between this one and the next one. So what do you see that being the most common? Great question. It's, it is self-doubt. Far and away, it's the confidence that you have in yourself. And, and no matter what, if you think this NBA player is a superstar or a CEO has done all this, they always have a little bit of doubt, a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome meaning like you don't really believe that you should be there. But that's the good thing. So I like to tell people, if you're feeling imposter syndrome, man, embrace that. Like, that's awesome. That means you're doing something. Nobody who is sitting around on the couch watching Netflix eating Cheetos ever feels imposter syndrome because they're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. type of self-doubt is the big, like, it is the biggest roadblock debilitator. It's a self-defense mechanism that we hold ourselves back from who we can be because we get in our own way. Sense like, you know, those, those, those thoughts and, you know, there's all those studies of 50,000 thoughts we have daily, 40,000 of them, 80% of them are negative on average. So it's the people that can take those negative thoughts, those self-doubt thoughts and be like, hey. I know it's okay. Or you step on stage or you step on the floor. You're like, I'm nervous. Yeah. So is everybody. 
that's totally cool. When I speak in front of thousands of people or hundreds of people or tens of people, I'm nervous as can be, but I'm not going to act like, oh man, that's not me. No, embrace them. Embrace self-doubt. Know that it's there, but know that it doesn't define you and know that it doesn't control you. And when you get to that level, and there's certain tools that I'll use with players and, and CEOs and high performers to help them get to that level. But when you get there, you are now operating in no hesitation. Like, think about it. The best basketball players like Steph Curry, does he ever hesitate when he shoots? No, he's shooting that thing. And if he misses 10 in a row, he's shooting the next one just the same. But the players and the people that start, okay, well, that didn't work out. Or I missed that shot. Well, should I shoot the next shot? Like, uh-oh, what will people think of me if I miss? What if I let my team down? What if, what if, what if? And then you get caught up in these what ifs and it will drive you insane. So eliminating the self-doubt, embracing the imposter syndrome of that it's actually a good thing is a big mental shift game changer. Yeah, and it's so easy to compare yourself to everybody else too, right? Like you think, and social, I talk about this a lot too with social media. It's, it's this weird perception that we think about these lives that aren't necessarily true, but we take it in. And then we somehow think that what we're doing isn't as valid or not as good because somebody else is showing something on there. What are your thoughts on that whole social media thing? And do players that do these high level people get caught up in that too? Do you notice that? Absolutely. It's human nature to want to have that dopamine rush and want to feel appreciated and like you matter and people are watching you and caring about what you're saying and what you're doing. But man, can't scheme of things. You know what you, you want to, Look up something that's going to absolutely humble you. Google search the top cricket player. I can't remember his name. Sport, the sport's called cricket. If you don't know what it is. Google his name yeah. and look how many followers he has. And then think about it. You've never yeah. heard this guy in your life, yet he's got 60 million followers. Such a good point. And you're never going to, like, the, the comparison, if you think that your cup needs to be the same cup as somebody else, you're going to drive yourself absolutely nuts. Social media is an amazing platform. Yeah. It's an amazing tool. A hammer is an amazing tool to build a house. You need a hammer to build a house. A hammer can also be the most brutal murder weapon if used incorrectly. Social media can tear you from the inside out if used incorrectly. Mm -hmm. Go to social media and you're doom scrolling and you're like, oh man, he got so many more likes. Wow. You know what their viewage was so, oh, man, why aren't I there? That's what they make you. That's what they want you to do. Yeah. Like that. But if you use it to post positive messages and to post encouraging messages and connect with people on there in a positive way, then you win. It just it depends which game you want to play. And most people don't even know the actual game or the opportunity of how they can play the positive game versus the self-depreciating game. Mm, yeah, it's that level of awareness of knowing like what they're actually doing. So many people are caught in it and they don't even, and it's about, you got to take a step back and just take a look. You know, it's, 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 it's really interesting, man. And I mean, I think, you know, the whole social media thing, you're absolutely right. Like it's such a powerful tool, but it's like so easy to get caught up in that, like, 
that weird emotional roller coaster where you're like all of a sudden following and, and reacting to things and you're like, wait a minute, this is not even what I think. This doesn't have anything to do with what I want to do today. Like what just happened? It's crazy. Ask yourself this question. When was the last time you scrolled Instagram and something amazing happened? Something yeah. amazing like through so scrolling Instagram. Never yeah. happened. Never. Never once happened in my life. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, man. I um I want to dig in a little bit more to confidence. Now I heard you talk about this on another show. You talk I want to talk these two things, imposter syndrome and confidence. So how how does somebody who is feeling a lack of confidence one day, but they feel confident another. How do they have a daily practice or what would you suggest that somebody does to create that confidence and to, and to allow that imposter syndrome to kind of not take over them, but to them to embrace it? Is there anything that you would recommend on a daily basis that people can do to kind yeah. of like embrace that and kind of build that confidence muscle? For sure. First of all, you got to ask your question, where's the confidence come from? If your confidence comes from results, accolades, awards, followers, like that, you'll, it'll never be steady. You'll never have joy. You'll never have contentment. Some days you will be up. Most days you will be down. Mm -hmm. So understanding who you are more than what you do. Like when you introduce yourself to somebody, everybody's like, well, okay, what do you do? Like, what do you do? Oh, let's size you up, man. Oh, oh you only do that? Oh, you're only a teacher? Oh, I'm way better than you. Yeah. Biggest lie. It's who you are. Who you are on the inside means so much more than what you do on the outside. So figuring out that first, that's the core. That's the foundation. That's your, your true self-awareness. And you can add some tools like morning routines are great of writing out. I'll write out my joys, my joys for the week, my joys for the day. Right. I like, okay, me and my wife had a great dinner. I got to spend time with her or, or something great happened. Just write out the things that you're thankful for. Cause a lot of times that you'll forget those will just go in, like, you know, brush it off. Oh, that was great. But I forget about it. So continue to write those daily affirmations are awesome of who you are, who you want to be, who you vote for yourself to be. So I'll do a thing with clients of, I vote to be, I vote to be, I vote to be David a writer. I'm going to practice the habits of writing. That's how you're going to write a book. You're not going to say, Hey, I'm going to be a best-selling author. No, you got to practice the habits. I think James Clear does a phenomenal job in atomic habits, kind of outlining similar things to that. Mm -hmm. The positivity of the affirmations and the gratitude, but man, I'm going to keep coming back to it. Cause I know it's the, the biggest game. Like if you don't have yourself set in a foundation of, like I said, for me, Jesus, but like if you don't have yourself set in that foundation of a, something, something much more important than you, it doesn't matter. Like you can't, you can try to fill as many voids with as many self-help books or self-help podcasts or all this kind of stuff. You know, the people that go to all the conferences and stuff, but yet they're still empty because you're missing the point <clears throat> is not about you. The point is not about what, how you look. The point is, flip that on its head and pour into, pour into others, serve others. Like, give till it hurts. Your money is not going to go with you when you die anyways. How can you give for a bigger purpose? Generosity will be the key to more of your 
long-standing success and joy. Tough to do, but when you do it, it changes the whole narrative of your life. Mm. What about you? What do you, what do you struggle with when you do on like on a, on a day when you hit a wall? Like what is something that you struggle with that you can have your own breakthrough for? Like, what do you? Awesome. Yeah, man. Super good question. My, my, my struggle is, Hey, I want to do so much. I want to grow this brand. I want to grow the awareness. I want to grow the voice. I want to do this. I want to do this. So I struggle with filling time to think that, man, I'm important because I'm doing a lot. I'm important because I'm in this room. I'm important because I'm with these people. And I, no, I'm not. I'm not creating any real margin in my life. And, and now I'm not saying I'm horrible at it, but I'm not as good as I want to be. And I know in 2023, I want to get much better at this of like, think about it. A hundred years from now, nobody's going to know my name. Nobody's going to know any of us. If you think about people a hundred years ago, all you know, presidents, and that's basically about it. Some figures from history, I don't even know my great grandparents' names. Like, how bad is that? Mm. Like, you don't have to worry so much about how do I look or when do I take some time to be with the people you love. Don't don't spend your whole life working and grinding for something that has no eternal value in it. Mm -mm. Yeah, man, it's so true. It's such a good point to just to remember. Sometimes we just got to take a step back and just think about those things, man. It's so true. We get so caught up in in all of it. And yeah, man, if you if you are speaking to say somebody's listening to this and they're in a really tough time right now and they need they need something today to really walk away within their life from your wisdom of what you've done and how you've mentored these high performers, what would you say to them today? Man, you, you've already won your love. You have already won. There is no, like you have to perform. You have the grace of Jesus on you. That's why he came and died for you. You don't have to earn it. It's already there for you. The grace, accept it. Like, Stop beating yourself up for it. We're all broken. Every single one of us is broken. You're broken. I'm broken. All of us. You've already won the game. This is literally like it's it's bonus time we're in here. And once you understand that and accept you're already loved, like what else? I mean, sure, all the other stuff is fun. Like life is fun. I love doing this. I love being on this journey on this like this yeah. competition. I love competition. And I know it doesn't matter in the end. Yeah. Yeah. It's such, so true, man. What do you got working on, right? What are you working on right now? You got your book breakthrough pivot and go. If you are watching YouTube, you can see that, but tell us where we can find you and what else we can look forward to uh, checking out with your work. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. That's the books. Uh, I'm doing a really big thing starting January 9th. It's a 12 week transformation. And this is something unlike anything that I've done before. It's all the years, 13 years of doing this poured into 12 weeks. So what would take somebody normally 13 years to achieve? We're doing it in 12, giving you the blueprint. But I'm only, I'm only allowing a few people onto that. And if you're a high achiever and somebody who's really driven and passionate about what you want, your goals, your dreams, like this is absolutely for you. 
So that's just at davidnurse.com or you can message me. I'm pretty easy to get in touch with on social media. Um, and then the next book's coming out in April. And that's going to be revealed mid-January, what that's going to be about. Can you give us a little hint what we can look up for? Yeah. So, yeah, totally. It is one of the biggest things that I see is people will have knowledge. They'll say they're going to do something. They'll, like we talked about, read all these books, listen to all these podcasts. But when it comes down to it, they don't take action. So I'm going to show you how to take away the roadblocks that are getting in your life away from taking action. Kind of like a procrastination kind of thing, something in that area. No? Okay. Not procrastination. This is about, think Enneagram, Atomic Habits. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, brother. Look, thank you so much, man. You, I, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, dude, we could talk for so much longer. But I, I appreciate you having coming on, man. We'll have to do round two one day in person. Well, love to, Lance. Man, hey, thank you so much, man. Great questions. Thanks for being the, the positive light you are to so many, brother. Thank you, brother. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Make sure to follow David Nurse. Social media, all his handles are in the description or the show notes. And of course, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast yet, make sure you do so. I appreciate all of you. We'll catch you next time.